church. How's everybody doing? Y'all didn't think I'd open that way, did you? You're like, what in the world? Man, when you're like three services in, you forget like what you said, what you didn't say, all that stuff. So it gets a little loopy, third service. But man, what about our worship team this morning? It's bringing it. Yeah. Uh, man, for us to celebrate and worship and then to celebrate through baptism always makes for a great, great Sunday. Um, and let me just kind of throw this out there. If you've been contemplating a relationship with Jesus or getting that um, baptized, taking that step, man, I would love to talk to you about that. We baptize the second Sunday of every month, and it's just a great opportunity to proclaim your relationship with Jesus. Um, but, uh, man, we're continuing our series on Daniel uh, this morning. Uh, before we dig in, just a couple different things things, especially if you're a first-time guest or you've been checking us out um, for just a little while. Um, I understand, I, I just know personally, it can be very overwhelming and somewhat intimidating to get connected to a place like this. Um, to find a church home, it's a big endeavor. Um, and so um, we try to make it as easy as possible for you to get connected. Uh, one of those ways, Brandon already mentioned, that's our Getting to Know You event happening next Sunday. Uh, this is a very casual, informal event um, at our downtown campus in the North Auditorium. We have coffee, dessert, sit around tables, uh, you hear more about the vision, you get to meet staff, ask questions questions at the table, um, have an opportunity to join, get connected, hear about some different opportunities that we uh, have as, as a church. You can register for that. It's absolutely um, free once you um, put in your W-2 um, upload. Just kidding. That's a joke. But um, for you just to come check us out, no pressure whatsoever, um, but we'll love for you to do that. Also, another great way for you to get connected is when you came in, you probably saw this. Um, out in the parking lot, there are some high-top round tables. Um, as we kick off a new school year, uh, we offer small groups. This is a great way for you to get involved in community with other people to do life with them so you can challenge each other, grow together, um, pray together, all those different things. Um, so check out different times, some options that might work for your schedule. Um, put your name down. I'm going to say this. You're not committing to anything. Um, I always call it, it's kind of like speed dating for groups, all right? You're just going to go check it out. They'll reach out to you. Hey, we're going to meet um, as um, in the next couple weeks, our groups will begin meeting after our summer break. So um, get involved. It's a great way to build relationships with others. It's a great, great way for you um, to do that. But this morning, um, as we have been in this series of Daniel, we're going to be in uh, Daniel chapter 9. And really, I never thought about it this way until I really began to study this chapter. But this is probably one of the most important chapters in Scripture um, when it comes to prayer. Uh, I know oftentimes we think of the Lord's Prayer and the Gospels when Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray, and that's super important. But especially in the Old Testament, as I started to really unpack uh, chapter 9 of Daniel, Really, Daniel models prayer life and what it should look like for you and me. 
And to be quite honest, this is just my opinion, I think that prayer is probably one of the most neglected resources of the church. And here's what I mean by this, that many people totally disregard it or it's just not a priority in our lives. But what we see throughout scripture, both Old Testament and New, as Jesus taught, that for us to have a healthy relationship with Jesus, we have to have a prayer life. Prayer is an integral part of growing in a relationship with Christ, to us, for us to have conversation with him, to talk to him, and him talk to us. Now think about this. I mean, you can read any kind of textbook. If there is not communication between two people, it's not going to have a healthy relationship. I mean, could you imagine never talking uh, to your spouse? And some of you are like, yes, please, okay? But that's not healthy, Right? There's times I don't want my kids to talk to me. But for us to have a healthy relationship, we have to talk to one another. I mean, could you imagine coming home from work and you just walk in and your kids are like, hey, dad, hey, mom. And you're just like, just ignoring them, right? It's not good. For any relationship to be healthy, there has to be ongoing communication. So how can you have a healthy relationship with God if you don't pray? If you don't talk to him? And what we see is in chapter 9, Daniel really, in a lot of ways, models for you and me what our prayer life should be like. Now, let me kind of set up some context for Daniel, where he's at. If you've been with us, you know a lot of this, so my apologies for recapping. But you have to understand, at this point in time when Daniel writes this, he's about 85 years old. He's been in Babylon for approximately 70 years He was taken from Jerusalem, his homeland, at the age of 15. It was destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was brought and exiled to Babylon to eat like them, talk like them, learn like them, read like them, talk, you know, the language and all the culture in this pagan culture taken away from his God um, and, and his culture and put into Babylon. So as an exile, here he is, and he's been faced with all kind of different temptations, different kings, different rules to compromise his faith, but yet he stands firm on these things. So think about this. If you're in Daniel's shoes, here you are for 70 years approximately, you're all alone. You're away from home. You're away from, you know, the customs of your God and worshiping your God. The temple is is destroyed. The sanctuary is desolate. You have no friends that are encouraging you in your walk with God. There is no Spotify playlist to worship and to feel inspired, you know? There is no social media post where you see a, a Bible verse and it says, man, that's really good. I needed that reminder today. There was no church service to attend. It is him. And what do we do? This is the theme of his life. What does he do? He continually runs to God. He talks to God. It's a priority. It's it's the very reason he got thrown into the lion's den, into the pit, because they said, hey, you can't be praying to anybody but the king or to our pagan gods. And he said, nah, I'm praying to my God. I'm going to do it three times a day. So it was a pattern and a theme of his life that he ran to God. It was his nature. And so we see it's only fitting really towards the end of the book of Daniel, where he once again runs to God. He's in great distress. If you remember how chapter 7 and chapter 8 end, we talked about this last week, he has these visions that God gives him, 
of really end times. It's apocalyptic. And what we see is this ocean, the sea that's just stirring up, and beasts come out of it, and the Antichrist, and horns, and, you know, eagles without feathers. It's crazy, all right? And he, he's freaking out a little bit. But what he sees when we celebrate and talked about last week is ultimately Jesus, we just sang about it, Jesus gains the victory at the end of the day. But yet what we see at the end of chapter 7 and chapter 8, it says that his, his uh, skin, he changed color, became pale, and at the end of 8, it says he became physically ill. He was laid out for days. So he's in great distress, and he goes before the Lord. And so let's read this together. It's quite a bit of text, so follow along with me, and I'll break it down. We'll, um, we'll kind of take breaks and pause along the way. We're going to be in chapter 9. Be on the screens, but I hope that you have a Bible. If not, you can download the Bible app or our church app and follow along there. But chapter 9, starting in verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Hosterus, a, uh, by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet um, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Now that can be a little confusing, so let me kind of say this. Here's what Daniel is saying. Daniel, I don't know if he's reading it then or he's memorized it, but the prophet Jeremiah, God came to the prophet Jeremiah and told him that, hey, you're going to be in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon for a period of 70 years before you return. So Daniel's actually doing the math. I'm about 85. I'm going to celebrate my 85th birthday coming up. And I was taken when I was 15. So 70 years is right around the corner. And so we will return. So that's pretty much, he's reminded of the promise of God. What God told the prophet Jeremiah of these 70 years, and that really sets the stage for now, we're gonna see Daniel begin to pray and come to God. He says this in uh, verse three. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame. As at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings and to our princes and to our fathers because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. We have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside refusing to open uh, or to obey your voice and the curse and the oath 
that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. All right, let's come up for air just for a second because I know it's a lot. So essentially what Daniel is saying is he recognizes that they are in this situation. He's in this situation because the Israels, the Israelites, the Jews had um, sinned against God. So he's confessing. He's saying, hey, we, we pretty much deserve this. We didn't listen to your commands. We sinned against you. We didn't follow the law of Moses. And now he blatantly says the curse and the oath, the curse of sin that separates us from God and has consequences, and, and, and really the breaking of the commandments that, that Moses threw out that said, hey, these are from God. These are the ways uh, of, of life to live for God that we've sinned against all those things. So we're in this mess because we did not listen. We did not obey. We did not follow the way of God. We followed the way of ourselves and of sin. And so he acknowledges that. Let's continue. All right, I know it's a lot. Just bear with me. And so he says in verse um, 12, he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our rulers who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there, have not, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us. Yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Saying we haven't repented. Therefore, the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works that he has done. And we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, you brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself. As at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to the pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord. Make your face to shine upon your sanctuary which is desolate. Oh my God, incline um, your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Are you guys okay? It's a lot. It's heavy. There's a part of me that's like, man, I wish I could pray like that. It's a heavy prayer. It's an open and vulnerable, honest prayer by Daniel to his God. This is something habitual in his life. It was a spiritual discipline that he had no shame going before God. And it really pulls back the curtain that I think that we could pull some principles out to learn what should our prayer life look like, especially in Babylon. As we've talked about, we've established we live in a messed up, far from God crooked, broken, and lost world and culture. So how do you and I pray, if we're going to thrive, how do we do this together? 
And how do we do this in our relationship with God? So here's a couple things, and I'm going to say this uh, before we kind of go any further because this might be a little uncomfortable, and that's okay. In each of these sections, we're going to pull out some things of how we should pray, all right, kind of some guidelines. Definitely not an end-all, be-all, but I want us to take time this morning to actually pray. And for some of us, you'll be like, oh, geez, am I going to pray out loud? Yes, you're going to get a microphone. No, just kidding. You're not doing that. But we're just going to take some time. I know it's busy and it's crazy, but for you and just where you are at to dispense some time with God in prayer. I know for some of you, you're like, I've never done that. That's okay. It's a safe place. Some of you, I just don't know how to do that. It's okay. Just talk to God. Have a conversation. It's between you and God. But I'll walk us through that. So no need to be um, uncomfortable. But I think it's, it would do, it would do an injustice if we talk about how to pray and then do not pray. All right? So the first thing that, that we see that Daniel models for us is that for you and I, we should, we should pray acknowledging who God is. When you and I are praying and it's a part of our life, it is so important for us to acknowledge who God is. I think often... We approach God as some cosmic genie, if we're really honest. This is what happens. We say, hey, God, here's my list. I need you to help my marriage. I need you to help me discipline my kids. I need you uh, to help me with my finances. I need this job promotion. My truck is broke. I need you to fix it. And my dog keeps throwing up on the carpet, and it's annoying. Will you fix that? All right? Here's the checklist. And what we end up doing is saying, God, I need you to do this, 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 and this, and this. Amen. And we walk away. Before we know it, what we have become is that annoying friend that only talks to you when they need something. Now, I'm not saying God's up there saying, oh, I'm really annoyed now. But we all have friends like that, right? Like for me, it's the friend that calls me. And it's like, hey, bro, what's going on, man? Everything okay? Haven't talked to you in the year. Yeah, we're moving this weekend. Can we use your truck? (laughs) You know? It kind of feels like that. If we're only going to God with all this, this checklist and a list of demands, man, our view of him is, is, is unbiblical. And what we see Daniel do right out of the gate, he says this right here. He says, I turned my face to the Lord. I was seeking him. And he says this, oh, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands. It's, it's, it's all about the character of who God is. So what if you and I, instead of approaching God with a list of demands and some genie, we approached him with this perspective of you are awesome, you are great, you are the creator of the universe, you are the giver of life. It would change the way uh, we talk to God. It would change our approach and our posture um, to him for us to come to him and to say, hey, you are the promise keeper. You are faithful. You are compassionate. You are merciful. You, all of these things, this is the right perspective of our prayer life. Not just to come and real quick, when we're getting out of our car at work and we, and we gotta go into the office and say, I need to pray real quick. God, help me with this. I need you to do this, this, and this. But for us to turn our face to God and to say, God, you are awesome. In the midst of suffering, pain, a valley, say, I don't understand it, but you are a covenant keeper. You are faithful. You are compassionate. You are loving. And think about it this way. Your your level of intimacy with God is built and sustained by your desire for God. Now, here's what I mean by this. 
is if you don't desire God, your prayer life is miserable, if, if, if not just non-existent. But as your desire for God and to know him increases, your prayer life should do the same thing. It should be something that, the, you know, I, I think about it this way. When me and my wife Sloan, uh, we met for the first time. It's kind of awkward, right, you know, and we talk a little bit. But the more I desire to get to know her, the more we talked. It was 10 o'clock every night. We always talked. We d- dated long distance for a long, uh, good period of time. And so it was, hey, we're going to talk at 10 o'clock because I desire to get to know her. And so that communication happens more frequently. There's why Scripture talks about praying without ceasing. Because our greatest desire should be to know him. And so here's what we're going to do. And this might be a little awkward or uncomfortable. But I want every single one of us just to take time and just to tell God how awesome he is. Whatever you're in the midst of going through right now, for you just just to hit the pause button to say, God, you are holy. I don't deserve you, but you are incredible. I'm, I'm so thankful for your, your compassion, your mercy, however you fill in the blank. And so if you would, just close your eyes and bow your head just in the stillness of this moment. I want to give you about 30 seconds just to talk to God. And I would challenge you, if you've never done this before, just have a conversation like you're talking to your best friend. And use 30 seconds just to tell God, acknowledge who he is. God, we collectively come to you and say thank you. We don't deserve you, but God, you are full of compassion and mercy. Your love for us is steadfast. And when we are unfaithful, you are faithful. You are always there. So God, as the giver of life, we just come before you in adoration and say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for forgiving us. Thank you for having new mercies for us every single day. In the midst of our failures, there is such grace because of your son Jesus, the sacrifice you made. And so God, hear our prayer, hear our hearts proclaiming how awesome you are. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Man, it's just good for us to do that for a second. Now, here's the second thing that we see, part of our prayer life that Daniel exhibits for us, is that not only do we need to pray acknowledging who God is, but we need to pray confessing who we are. Now, confession is a huge part of our prayer life, or at least it should be. It should be something that we do all the time. It should be cyclical in our life that a part of our prayer, I'm not saying every single time, but it needs to be natural for us to come before the the Lord and to confess. What we see, Daniel, right out of the gate begins to confess. He, He says, hey, we acknowledge you this way, God, but we haven't kept your commands. We've done wrong. We've sinned. We've acted wickedly. We've rebelled. We've turned aside from your commandments. We're not listening to your prophets that you sent. We're not doing any of those things. 
So he confesses before God. And I think oftentimes this is the part that's really, really hard of our prayer life because it takes great humility. It takes great humility to stand before the creator of the universe and say, I've done wrong. But here's what's so interesting about that dichotomy is that oftentimes when we approach God, and I get it, it's out of shame, guilt, embarrassment, we feel like we can hide things from God. So we don't confess them. Like if I just don't say that, maybe God doesn't see it. He sees other people's problems, (laughs) you know? Or however you view it. God knows everything. So let us be transparent and vulnerable and confess it. And I would say this, as we are confessing, let us not be ones that confess with broad terms. I think it's really easy to be like, God, I sinned today, please forgive me. You notice Daniel is specific. And I do feel like in our lives as believers, when we are confessing sin, we need to be detail-oriented. One, because when we're broad, I think it's easy for us to justify our sin, like not a big deal. Or two, to sweep it under the rug, and it really equals to what I would call cheap grace. I'll just keep dealing with this, keep coming to God, asking for forgiveness, and he'll forgive me. We need to be specific about it. When you confess sin, you need to come before God and say, hey, God, I need your forgiveness. I sinned against you today because I looked at something that was not honoring to you. Hey, God, what I said, this, this, and this to my wife or how I responded to my kids with this, this, and this or how I treated my coworker or that thought that was in my mind about my neighbor, I'm coming before you because I need forgiveness. That does not reflect you. And I need your mercy and forgiveness. You tracking with me? Not just I send. Yeah, we could all say that. But be specific about it. One, it opens your eyes. To, it's calling out yourself, if you will, to be very detailed to say this is a problem. It's really easy to say I just send. Right? It's one of those things. Those of you who have kids, you'll understand this. When my kids do something bad, I'm like, hey, you need to say you're sorry. And I usually get sorry. Right? It's like, okay, sorry for what? Sorry for hitting you, (laughs) you know? It's like, okay. And I feel like sometimes when we confess sin, it's like, sorry, God. And he's like, for what? For that, (laughs) you know? Let us be specific about it. He knows. You're not hiding anything. Be vulnerable. He wants you to take responsibility. And what's so interesting, and it shows that Daniel is such a leader and a man of faith, like he's one of the most righteous people in all of Scripture, But yet he is asking for um, forgiveness and confessing the sins of people, of the nation, of everybody. Be like, why is he doing that? Well, he's a man too. He's not perfect, but he is confessing before God. And it really reminds us in that. Now, here's the trick. Is that the one-two punch of this is not just to confess, but to actually repent. And repent is to turn away from the sin. So, Meaning that you can confess all day long, but in our, our actions got to back it up and say, hey, God, forgive me for this. I don't want this in my life. I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to struggle with this. But for us to take the responsibility to actually turn away from it, that would be like me going to my wife and saying, hey, I'm, say, I'm sorry I cheated on you today. And the next day, I'm sorry I cheated on you today. I really am sorry. I promise. And the next day saying, hey, I cheated on you today. I'm sorry. Am I really repentant? No. 
I'm just going through the motions. Be repentant and turn away from that sin. And, and, and what I love is that what we see is Daniel is proclaiming that. He's saying, hey, we deserve these consequences. We have sinned. Here's how we sinned. And, and then he is reminded, or I mean, he actually proclaims, he's like, hey, uh, oh Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand. You've made a name for yourself. He, he knows that God can forgive and he wants to turn away from those things. And so think, confession and repentance is necessary for the sanctification process, meaning for us to be more like Jesus, those two habits of confession and repentance need to be in all of our lives. That needs to be something that dictates our growth and maturity in that. And so let's take 30 seconds. And I know this will be painful for some of us because it's humiliating. It's hard to confess things that have fallen short in the sin, your sin before God. So let us close our eyes, bow our heads again, and just for 30 seconds, that might not be long enough for some of y'all, okay? But for us just to come before God, and just confess, be specific about it. What sin is entangling your life right now? It's not honoring to God. You know it, confess it. Father, in the silence of this moment, we come as you hear the cries and confessions of our hearts. And God, let us continue every single day to come before you and just lay the things that so easily entangle us from serving and loving you well before your feet confess to say these are things that we are struggling with we need your forgiveness let that be a part of our daily routine but let us not just stop there god let us be so bothered by our sin that we turn away we repent from those things and begin to follow you when freedom of life and the life that you give so father we're thankful for your forgiveness we're thankful for your mercy and the blood that was shed by Jesus, your son, to forgive us the things that we have just confessed. Let that be a part of our everyday walk with you. It's in your son's name. Amen. So the last thing that we see is, and this is kind of interesting, kind of a big picture, is that we need to pray recognizing why God acts. Now you might think, well, I don't know why God acts. Well, here's, here's the bottom line of this. You, you won't know why you go through everything, why God allows all these things in your life or someone else's life, whether it's a tragedy, whether it's a good thing, whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, the most important perspective that you and I can have is that God does everything for his glory. It's all for his glory. It's for him to be made known to other people or for you to grow in your faith so that you can know him more so we have to pray. It's this perspective shift 
to say, hey, when we're praying, I, I don't understand everything. When you're starting to make your request known to God, it's all about, this is, it's really the premise of really the Lord's prayer when Jesus is teaching his disciples and says to pray this way, you know, and he says that your will be done, not my will, that your kingdom come, right? That this is us saying, hey, it's not about me. It's not about my preferences. Think about this. Prayer isn't about having my needs met. That's worshiping you and your wants and desires. It is about seeing God's will met, worshiping him. And so what should happen is that our prayers should align with the purposes of God's kingdom, not the preferences of our kingdom. It's a shift that says, okay, God, here's, here's what I would like to have, have happen in my life. But at the end of the day, I want it to be about you. So as I go to school today, and while I want to make good grades, or I want to make the team, or I like this friendship, or I'm going to talk to these people, or I'm going to represent you, let it glorify you. Let how I interact on my phone and on social media with my coworkers, with my friends, let it reflect you so they can see you. In this dating relationship, in my marriage, let it reflect you. In the way I treat my kids and I'm raising and discipling my kids, let it reflect you. It's your will. It's not about me. It's not about my preferences. And Daniel says this towards the end. He says, hey, it's not about our, our righteousness. And he says, please hear, turn your ear and hear and your eye to see for your own sake, Lord, so that your face, God, can shine upon your sanctuary. It's all about his glory and not about Daniel's. So he knows it is for him. And so in these last 30 seconds, let us pray and end with a time that says, you know, it's all about you. My life is about you. When I leave here, it's about you. I want people to see you. And so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes and just plea with God and ask him to change your perspective if need, need be, or to say, hey, God, just proclaim, I want my life to represent you. I want to reflect you and your glory. Father, this morning we have come to you collectively as a church, faith family acknowledging who you are as God while also confessing who we are sinners who have sinned against you confessing that we also come before you and know that it's all about you the purpose of our life is about you it's about your glory so that we can show other people and that others can acknowledge who you are as God they confess who they are as sinners and they can glorify you so that someone else can acknowledge who you are as God, confess who they are as sinners and, and, and recognize that it's for your glory. And God, so allow our lives in this pattern and posture of prayer to become, come before you each and every day transferring dependency on our will and our efforts and our strength and saying, God, I trust you. You are so good. We don't deserve you in confessing our sin and bringing you glory. It's in your son's name we pray.
Amen. Let's stand, let's close, and worship together.